Acts chapter 12. Tonight's subject is a subject that you've probably never heard a message about. There probably are no songs written about it, and you probably don't hear much talk about it. The subject of tonight's message is simply prayer. I'm being facetious, okay? We hear about prayer all the time. I mean, prayer is talked about, preached about, um, probably more than um, uh, a lot. Let's put it that way. There are thousands of songs written about it. But I want you to know this. Though it's talked about a lot, prayer is an incredibly powerful thing. Sometimes I think it's overlooked. Sometimes I think it's underestimated. Um, But we're going to take some time and go through this. Um, An American businessman by the name of W. Clement Stone said this, Prayer is man's greatest power. Prayer is man's greatest power. So I want to take some time and look at this tonight, Acts chapter 12. I want to read somewhat of a lengthy portion, but it's basically the entire story of what we're talking about. So if you'll take your time and look through this with me, the Bible says this in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, or Passover. And when he had apprehended him, he had put him in prison and delivered him to uh, four quaternions, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. The angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said, saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate which leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. They said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. 
And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers that was become of Pe- what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. I would like to preach to you a message that I've simply entitled, Prevailing with Prayer. Prevailing with prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this evening again. Father, I pray that you would help us to um, help this time to be of benefit to us. Pray that it would not be squandered, would not be wasted. But Father, we would learn something and glean something from this passage tonight that can help us in our daily walk. We love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going through a series that we've entitled The Prevailing Church. And the church will not prevail, I believe, unless it is a praying church. A praying church. So I would like to give you three areas of our lives in which prayer prevails. In which prayer prevails and they're all taken from this passage. Number one, I hope you'll enjoy this one. Prayer prevails over politics. So good to know that. Prayer prevails over politics. Look with me again, if you would. Verses 1 to 4, very quickly now, about that time. Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain um, of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Uh, Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter... To bring him forth to the people. Okay? So there is no doubt that in my mind at least that this is a completely a political move by Herod. He sees that the the Jewish people, the people in which he's reigning over, Herod was a Jewish king. He he's sees that these people are really struggling with this new church. So he decides to help them out a little bit and he begins to dabble with these things and he uh, puts forth his hands to vex certain of them. He wanted to get on the good side of the Jews, so he starts helping them with the problem of the church. So he kills James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, and sees that the Jews like it. Ooh, they like that, he says. Oh, that's good. They really like that. And so let's, let's amp this up a little bit. Let's go after the big dog, Peter. Because really up until this point, we don't we even heard much about any of the other apostles other than John here and there. But Peter's the one who does most of the speaking. Peter's the, the one who uh, kind of is out front. Peter is the one, which is pretty typical of Peter's character. Peter's always out there and he's, he's the loud, boisterous one. And so they, excuse me, Herod decides he's going to go after Peter. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the apostles at this time. Remember, if you will, back to the time when, around Acts chapter 6, when Stephen was being persecuted. Stephen was really being uh, stoned and there was a man there holding the coats and consenting unto his death. That man's name was Saul. At that time, Saul began to rise up in popularity with the chief priests at the synagogue, and he began persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. 
And at that time, we know at least, at least, at the very least, 8,000 people leave Jerusalem and Judea and they are scattered abroad. Now remember, we understand, if you'll, if you'll go back with me, that left 12 people. The Bible says the apostles only stayed. So that left 12 people at the church at Jerusalem. Now again, as you, you're thinking, the apostles. Well, this is kind of a bummer. This stinks. We're the only 12 left here, and what are we going to preach to each other? I mean, we all walked with Jesus. We're going to teach to each other and all of these things. And so maybe they're a little bit depressed. And now it just seems like things don't quit. Now they're being persecuted not by the chief priests and rulers, but by the king now. The king has his hand at it. And they've already killed James, the brother of John. And now they're after Peter. They have Peter. They have him in stocks. They have him in prison. Wouldn't that be demoralizing? Wouldn't that be frustrating? Wouldn't that depress you? That would make me want to throw in the towel. Well, if this is the way it's going to be, what's the sense in trying to continue on? I want you to notice that politicians against churches is nothing new. Notice that? The king... Stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Politicians against churches is nothing new. It happened in the Bible times. It happened with the apostles. So it's nothing that hasn't been happening for centuries. Please understand this. In our political realm where we are here in Canada, God has placed us under the authority of the current political power. Understand that. God has placed us under the current political power. He has done that. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, God has placed us under that authority. Go to Romans 13 if you don't believe me. The same is true here with Herod. God has placed the children of Israel. God has placed his apostles. God has placed everything under Herod and we'll see eventually Caesar. God has done this. This is God's plan. He had a plan for everything. God has a plan for our upcoming election, whatever it may be. God has a plan for it. Listen, God had a plan for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Do you think that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, was the number one choice for the children of Israel? No. Not if they knew what was coming down the pipe. Not if they knew that they would be sold into into slavery for 400 years after that. They would not want that. But God had Pharaoh, king of Egypt, put at that time for that purpose. Listen, if God can do that way back when, God can do that in 2019 as well. So listen, you may not agree with the person that God has placed... But it is still that authority that we need to submit ourselves to. There are lots of times it's frustrating to see our government against us. 
There are lots of times it's frustrating to see them acting in and putting into law certain things that we know are going to affect us as churches and our lives as we know it today. But listen to this. God can still do something even when hope is bleak. God can still do something when the king is against the churches. God can still do something when the liberal party is against churches. Prayer prevails over politics. I want you to notice this. I don't see in this passage that the people of the church are praying for a better leader. I can't believe I just said that. I don't see in this passage that the people of the church are praying for a better leader. Maybe they did. I have no idea. I don't see that they were saying, oh God, would you please remove Herod from power and put in someone else? I don't see that here in this passage. If they were human like us, they probably prayed that prayer. But here in this passage, they're not praying that. They are praying for Peter under the current leadership. Peter under the current leadership. Peter is in a predicament under the current leadership. Sometimes we pray this, God, take the problem away. Don't we? How many of you ever prayed that prayer before? God, take this problem away. <laughs> You'd be dumb not to, so to speak. But I think at the same time we pray this prayer, God, take this problem away from me. But sometimes the problem is made for us. Think about that. We ask God, please take this problem away. But God says, no, hang on. I made this problem for you specifically. I, I designed it for you. I designed it for this time. I did it for you. Why? So that we might be stronger in Christ. So that we might be stronger in Christ. John F. Kennedy Anybody recognize that name? John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, he said this. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Now, I don't know everything that John F. Kennedy believed. But that's a pretty good statement. So often we're like, God, please, 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 would you remove Justin Trudeau from our leadership? Listen, that may not be God's will. I shudder to think. God, would you please allow this person to be put in? I don't know what your background is. I don't know what political party you, you vote for. That, that doesn't matter. What we need to understand is that God places these men in authority for a reason, for a time. And we have a responsibility to submit ourselves unto that. But that doesn't mean that prayer still does not prevail against politics. You see, God uses things like this to help us grow. This was obviously a political thing. And you see later on in the passage, um, verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of who? The politician Herod. And not only that, but from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Listen, that's like saying all of K-12 
Canada does not want Bible Baptist Church to be a church. All of Canada is against us. But hear me, God can deliver us out of that. He may never change that atmosphere, but he can deliver us out of that. He can change that. Prayer prevails over politics. The second thing that I want you to see, number two, is prayer prevails over prison. Prayer prevails over prison. Go back to verse 4 with me. The Bible says, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. Jump down to verse 5, or excuse me, verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying... Rise up quickly. And watch this. His chains fell off from his hands. The angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto, notice this, the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. Now I find this very interesting. Does anybody know what a quaternion is? Yes. 16, actually it's four quaternions which equals 16 soldiers. So a quaternion is a squad of four soldiers. So they have four quaternions of soldiers. 16 Roman soldiers for one Peter. <laughs> that says something about Peter. That says something about their fear of Peter. They knew who Peter was. They knew what kind of power he had. But yet they put around him 16 soldiers. Peter was being kept in prison. We see in our passage that he was chained between two of those soldiers. And there were at least two soldiers outside of the door, watching the door. We see the prison has multiple wards. They have a first ward and a second ward at least. There were chains. Yet in all of this, prayer prevailed over the hold that was on him. You see, I believe this, that there are so many people in our lives that are in prison. Let me explain. Not just the provincial prison or the federal prison, but the prison of sin, if you will. The prison of sin. You know, sometimes we think there's no hope for the unsaved world. They're in, they're captive to their sin. There's nothing that can break them out. But can I tell you, prayer prevails over the prison. Prayer prevails over sin. Listen to this as well. You might have a child or someone that you know that has walked away from God. Kind of as we talked this morning. And they're still, they're keeping themselves in the prison of sin do you understand that prayer can prevail over that prison? I don't care how deep it is. I don't care how much um, uh, power it has over that. 
But know this, prayer can prevail over that prison. Maybe you are in the prison. Maybe you just don't know how to overcome that besetting sin. Maybe you just don't know how to get through this time in your life. Can I encourage you again, prayer prevails over prison. Prayer can change your situation. Prayer can melt the heart of stone in your neighbor. Prayer can break the chains. Prayer can open doors. Prayer prevails. Prayer. Listen, I don't know if you pray for your neighbor to get saved or not, but prayer can prevail. I don't know if you pray for your uh, long-lost relative, but prayer prevails. I don't know what you need to pray for tonight for this prison, but prayer prevails. I want you to notice something else with me about this passage. I want you to notice with me what Peter is doing. Anybody catch that? Sleeping. Look at verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was, here it is, sleeping between two soldiers. That sleeping, I know some people who would say that they're sleeping, but they were actually praying. Sometimes some of you sit at your desk and you're sleeping. Somebody walks in on you and you go, oh, I was just praying. It's not the same thing. Notice that Peter wasn't doing the praying. Now, I, 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 I'm not sure of this. I can't prove this, that Peter did not pray for this situation. If I know Peter, he did at some point, but he's not praying right now. I'm not sure of this either, but perhaps Peter had resigned himself to the fact that this was the end. He already knew that James... One of the inner three of the circle had already been killed. He knew that. He saw that. He knew that he was next. The same night, this is the night that I am going home to be with Jesus. Maybe he resigned himself to that. Maybe he thought this must be the end of the line. I don't know. I, I have no idea. This is all surmising, but I know this. We see the church praying with out ceasing. Join me in verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of unto, of the church unto God for him. We don't see pray, Peter praying, we see Peter sleeping. You know what else we see? We see the angel smack him in the side and say get up. Look with me. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, verse 7, and he smote Peter on the side. Hey, Peter, wake up. Hey, Peter, get up. Get up, let's go, man, and the chains fall off. You see, so often, listen to this, we can get so focused on what the other person needs to do. See, I, I have unsaved neighbors. They drink. They smoke. They do all kinds of crazy things. And you know what I think? My human nature thinks, man, if they would just stop drinking. Man, if they would just stop smoking. Man, if they would just do what's right to do. And I, I get focused on that and I want to talk to them about that. And I want to spend the time on that. But that's not what I'm supposed to be spending my time on. 
That's not, I'm not supposed to be dependent upon them to do their job. You know what I'm supposed to be dependent on? The Holy Spirit of God doing his job. Hey, wake up. Hey, wake up. It's not my job to wake them up. You know what my job is? To pray for them. To pray for them. Prayer prevails over the prison. We see the church praying without ceasing. Let's not focus on getting the other person to do what they should be doing. Let's focus on God getting them up and doing what they should be doing. I loved it. Angel of the Lord slaps Peter. Hey, wake up. Wake up and get up. Let's go. So the angel of the Lord did it. He did the work. Listen to me, no matter how deep the prison, no matter how secure the prison looks, no matter how deep in there you are, no matter how sinful you think the other person is, it still can be done. Prayer prevails over prison. I'll give you a quick Bible example. Probably the most wicked man in all of the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was not just not caring about Jesus Christ. He didn't just not want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. He was completely against Christ. He fought against Christ. He pushed against Christ. He didn't want to have anything to do with Christ. He wanted to crush Christ. And he got saved. If that wicked, rotten, vile Saul of Tarsus can get saved, there's not a person in this world that can't get saved. There's not a person in this world that can't be released out of the prison of sin. So prayer prevails out over, excuse me, the prison. Number three and finally, prayer prevails over the possible. Prayer prevails over the possible. Look at verse 12. The Bible says this, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, watch this now, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And I'm sure they asked, did you see him? Well, no, I just heard his voice. And so they come to the conclusion it was his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Astonished. There's no doubt in my mind that these people believed that God could free him. I just don't know if they thought he would. There's no doubt in my mind that they knew God could. It just appears that they didn't know if he would. There is absolute truth in the fact that every time we pray, we need to pray in faith. Believing that God can do it. But sometimes God blows even our most impossible faith out of the water. Sometimes God just does things differently than we expect. Sometimes God answers our prayers in a way that legitimately blows our mind. 
and this is one of those times. These people are astonished. Why were they astonished? Why in the world weren't they expecting Peter to walk in? Why in the world weren't they expecting to hear a knock at the door and hear that Peter has been loosed? How many times in your life have you prayed something? You believe God can. You just don't know if he will. And you pray and you just, uh, and when God actually answers that prayer, you're astonished. What? I can't believe it. God answered my prayer. Maybe you don't have that experience at all. I don't know what it is, but I want to share this verse with you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or what? Think. According to the power that worketh in us. You see, God has the ability to do things far beyond anything we could ever imagine. Far beyond anything we could ever ask for or think about. Listen, these people were obviously asking for Peter to be released. These people were obviously asking for Peter to be uh, freed from his prison. But they were still astonished. These people didn't believe Rhoda. They called her mad. And then when she said, no, 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 I'm not mad. They say, they pitch it off to it's probably just his angel. You see, sometimes we expect God to answer our prayers in a certain way. We believe he can, and sometimes I believe maybe we believe that he even will. But when he answers in a way that we don't expect, sometimes we say things like, that's impossible. That's impossible. Possible, and sometimes we don't even believe it. All things are possible, all things are possible, but God can provide above and beyond anything that we ask or think. Let me give you a personal illustration. We were, we had just bought the house we're currently living in, and we had to. Um, any, any of the lawyers that we knew personally and best family knew personally were all in Toronto. So we had to go to Toronto to sign papers and all kinds of different things. And So we go up to Toronto, sign all the papers, and we head to Ajax to her parents' place. And we spend the night there. The next morning, I was getting up very early to come back, get the U-Haul truck together um, and, and get everything going. And I had a couple of guys that were coming over to the house pretty early. And they were going to help me load up the truck and get everything Rolling, So I wanted to get up early, get on the road, make sure everything was good. And in fact, I just remembered this part of the story. I was going to leave the night before. And then I was, they ended up talking me into staying over till the next morning. So I wake up the next morning, bright and early, I get on the road. And anytime I drive by myself, I usually pray. Keep myself awake and it's, it's a great time to do so. So I'm praying and I'm just saying, God... We just spent a lot of money. We just bought a house. Um, you know, things are going to be tight. There's this, that, and the other thing and all kinds of other stuff. And I'm praying these things and just, God, would you provide? Would you show us? And I'll be honest, I always expect God to provide. I just don't expect him to provide 
in certain ways. I expect them to provide in other certain ways. I expect them to help us save money. I expect them to help us with all kinds of other things. So I had prayed that, and I just kind of sitting there driving, and I'm not kidding you. A $50 bill hits my windshield. Hits my windshield. You want to know what my immediate reaction was? I was in the fast lane. I won't tell you how fast I was going. I was in the fast lane. Left-hand lane. My first initial reaction was, nah, I'm not stopping for 50 bucks. Not 20 seconds later, look on the side of the road, on the median, bouncing down the road is another $50. And I'm like, yeah. if I tell my wife I saw $100 on the highway and I didn't stop, she'll kill me. So the very next exit I got off, swung around, head back east on the 401. And as I'm heading back, as soon as I see money, I slam on the brakes, slide over into the median. I'm in the middle. There's just a concrete wall. Jump out. As soon as I open my door, there's $20 laying right there. I pick up the $20 shut my door, and start walking back up the highway. And the whole time, I'm picking up $50 bills, $20 bills, $100 bills. I get back to a bag full of clothes. Kind of rummage through that a little bit without touching too much, you know, not knowing what's in it. And I'm like, well, somebody must have thrown this out the window or lost it or, you know, something. I jump the center median (laughs) And as soon as I jump, there's another $50 bill sitting there. And I start walking back to my car, picking up bills. It's left, right, and center. Get back to my car, put the money aside, set it down. My father-in-law texts me, how's it going? I said, well, actually, I'm on the side of the road right now. Not the thing he wanted to hear. Wondering if the car broke down or something. Wasn't able to text him back. I got back on the highway, got off at the next exit, came back around, and waited until I saw money again, slammed on the brakes, went, got over on the right-hand side now safely, walked up and down that side, found a few more things of money. I got in the car, sifted through. I thought, oh, there might be 500 bucks here, Just crazy for the record. I counted it all, $980. I'm an honest person. So I called the OPP, said, hey, like, there's, there's more than $1,000 floating around out here. I said, has anybody called to say they lost anything? No. Nope. I gave him my phone number. Let me know if anybody calls. He says, if you don't hear from me in a week, it's yours. Never heard from him ever again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't count on it happening that way every time. But I never expected it that way. God says, here's 50 bucks and slapped it on my windshield. And I kept driving. And so often we can do that. Because prayer prevails over the possible. No, come on, that's not possible. But yet God provides in ways that we can never ask or think. Every time I drive down the highway, 
I'm looking for money. <laughs> That'll probably never happen again, but listen, that's an exciting time in my life that I can look back to and say, God specifically provided for my need. And I've got other things like that from people who should have never been given us anything, giving us things and providing for the needs of our family, providing for all kinds of things. Listen, write this down somewhere. Prayer is just as big as God is. Prayer is just as big as God is. So it doesn't matter what you think you need or what you uh, are struggling, what you're facing, whether it's a prison cell, whether it's a sword, whether it's your life, your prayers can do something. So let me ask you, what needs your prayers tonight? I'm sure that every single one of us has something that we need to pray about tonight. Every one of us has a family member or a problem in front of us. We all have political things in front of us. Every one of us has something to pray about. Can I challenge you? We can prevail with prayer.